Adam Muncy is a co-owner and CEO of Samson's Hair Care, a men's grooming brand and manufacturer with 300 retailers in over 15 countries. Today, we're going to hear who he is, what the brand is all about, and where they're going from here. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm with Adam Muncy. How are you doing today, Adam? I am great. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk about the brand on the podcast and get to know you better. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, we've ha- we've kind of been going back and forth for a few months now, so I'm happy to finally get you know get this on the on the books. This is I'm a, I'm looking forward to this. I started uh, as a fan. I've listened to so many podcasts while I've been working out in the morning. So oh yeah, awesome, nice, awesome. Um, so I wanted to first start off by uh, saying that um, I think it's uh, I think it's really cool and interesting that you're not only you have the hair care brand, but you're the manufacturer as well. And um, I I look forward to kind of hearing your story and how you got uh, how you got there. And um, I I'm, I'm imagining that a lot of what you're going to talk about is going to speak to a lot of these, uh, a lot of our audience who are in a position of making like big moves, making big decisions about their career, uh, making, taking steps to get, to where they want to go. Uh, some people might be interested in creating a, a, a product line. Someone might have an idea for a tool. Someone might just want to open up a salon or or open up a suite, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I'm also excited to uh, hear a pr- perspective um, and get some more representation from the barbering community. Um, so why don't we start off with like, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, how you, and like, where how'd you get into this industry and get and kind of get started with that yeah 100 percent. i got into the industry i think like a lot of people do my family had no background in cutting hair i mean i grew up military so my mom used to shave our head no guard on the back porch all the time um but i got in as a customer my partner jake was cutting my hair when i moved up here i was going to the chains and not getting the haircut that i wanted the church I was going to at the time, uh, Jake was like the unofficial church barber and everybody was like, Hey, you got to go see this guy. And so I did. And he was good. And he'd started messing around with a little rice cooker in his basement, making pomade. And I had never really used pomade. I'd used hair products, you know, Axe from Rite Aid, Walgreens, whatever. And he turned me on to it, you know, 18 bucks a can and it was working. It smelled good. It held my hair in place and he was happy to keep making it. And so I was not loving my banking career and I was not having a lot of success in my banking career. Um, you know, I had a really good boss and that kept me in banking a lot longer than I probably should have been there. And after five years of it, he was like, come on, man, why don't you just come do this with me? And that was all the motivation I needed to <laughs> the hair industry. If I'd known more about the hair industry, I would have been a lot more cautious. I would have taken a lot longer. When I left the banking industry to come join the hair industry, we had one product in one cent. There was no other holds, no nothing. All we had was one styling product. That was it. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Jumped in full time. Okay. So um, you said you were in banking. So uh, like... What do you mean banking? Like, uh, like working on Wall Street or? No, no. I work for a boutique bank. So there's like normal banks that 
I would assume all of us go to, right? When we go get a car loan, credit card, whatever. And then there's another level of banking for like, what I would say is like mass affluent, like the small business owners. So like the average everyday millionaire, like your rich aunt and uncle. So like they have a net worth anywhere between like a million and $50 million. And it was sort of that type of bank. So they have like unique needs that not the everyday person has, but they're not rich enough that they have their own bank. And so okay. that's the type of bank that I was working at at okay. the time, which wasn't a bad gig. And 100%, if you're a person who has no idea what you want to do with your life, go work at a bank, man. You have holidays off, you have decent pay, great health coverage. Um, but if like, you have a soul, don't do it. But if you don't, <laughs> bank is great. Okay, and then tell me why you made a comment that I want to I wanna understand. You said if you wouldn't, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I, sound, I think you said if you would have known about the industry more, then you might have maybe waited or gone slower or something like that? 100%. So when I came into the industry, we had one product. It was a heavy beeswax product. And I don't know how into chemistry you are. But men in general, like barbers specifically, like water-soluble products, beeswax in general is not going to be very water-soluble. So this worked almost like a traditional oil-based pomade, which I love because I could wear it for multiple days in a row, didn't wash out. That was great. For me, that was a feature. For 99% of people, that was a bug because it wasn't water-soluble. I had to wash my hands after every time I applied it to a client. So I quit my job and every barbershop I went to to get them to carry this product said, I have to wash my hands to get it off my hands. Wow. That was a huge roadblock in our first year in business. Gotcha. Okay. We had one product, nothing else. So it was more um, kind of doing some market research. You're like, okay, we got a little more work to do basically. And uh, is that what you were? Yeah. I wish we had other products. I didn't realize, you know. And this is wild to say now, this many years in, but I didn't realize one product wasn't going to work for every single person in the world. You know, now we've got 11 SKUs. Last I counted, we've got curly haired products. We've got light holding products, matte, shiny, everything like that. But at the time I was like, I don't know why everyone doesn't think our one product is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and how long ago uh, did, did you get started in this endeavor? This is going to sound crazy. I quit my job in July of 2019. Okay. Months before COVID like shut down everything. <laughs> so uh, when COVID shut down, were you uh, were you like, yes, I got time to work? Or you were like, oh, snap. Like, I don't, were you, was it more like opportunity or concern? I mean, I definitely freaked out because all of our customers were shut down, right? Yeah. We're still 80% wholesale. So that's 80% of our market right away is gone. And a lot of the relief and stuff was based on like having years worth of history. And I didn't want to commit fraud to get a lot of the uh, government money. So that was a, a hurdle to get over. I will say the nice thing is because we're in such a niche part of the industry. Um, to, to go back a little bit, what I say we're almost like craft beer 30 years ago where people don't even realize you can make it at home. 
and I, I say that ambitiously, right? Because I hope that what I'm doing right now, manufacturing it on our own, is as big as craft beer is now. Uh, oh, interesting. Right. Um, but there's also guys who are highly committed, right? Like all the time I have dudes in Vietnam messaging me on Facebook saying like, wow, I love that one you did for Halloween. That's such a great product. How can I get some more? That sort of thing. Um, the cool thing about COVID that people didn't necessarily realize at the beginning is that when it shut down here in March, they were already opening in different parts of the world. And so thankfully from a cash flow perspective, we were able to get little pockets of money coming from like Singapore for a little bit, Australia, Germany, which was a godsend that COVID was almost bouncing around where it was. Because when new stuff would open, we would get a check from here and a check from here and a check from here to keep us going for that really three months when it was really, really bad in Michigan. Wow. Nice. So, okay. So you, you get your, you're uh, getting your hair done from your barber and uh, he says, come on, why don't you come and do this, do this thing with me. And you're like, you're like, okay, let's do it. And tell us a little bit about one, um, you know, what that like building that, tell us a little bit about like that relationship and creating that um, partnership. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Cause I imagine, um, you know, building a, creating a partnership with somebody, there's a lot, you know, that a thought that would go into it, I would assume. Yeah. Creating a partnership in anything is really difficult. And to this day, whatever new projects we come up with, it's so difficult to kind of go through that whole negotiation thing. I will say that like, I'm used now to my stomach just being like all the way up here, just all the time, right? Buying a house is not stressful at all anymore. Cause it's just like, <laughs> there's a thousand houses in this town. If they don't like my offer on this one, it's whatever. We'll just move on to the next one. Um, and now with Jake, we're close enough friends that, you know, it's kind of a ride or die thing. So we'll just throw out numbers, say, hey, here's the number. Here's why. What are you thinking on it? Uh, I think I should take the lead on this. Here's like the five reasons why I should take the lead on this. It's not personal here. The why. And that was really what the situation was. Um, the big thing, he had more industry and more hair experience. The fundraising, I really took the lead on because I had the banking background, the business planning, the financial projections, everything like that. I had a lot more contacts for all of those things. And so it really made sense for me to take that lead. But as far as negotiating it out and dealing with it and how to set up the partnership, we just went with a two-member LLC, taxed it as a partnership, did a Schedule C every year guaranteed payments just make it as easy as we possibly can if none of that stuff makes sense your cpa will make it make sense don't go to the cheapest cpa there's a reason they're the cheapest and that's something in the industry we always want to do is go to the cheapest but would you go to the cheapest hairdresser right the reason they're the cheapest so pay for your cpa that's like the best advice I can give you. A lawyer is worth paying for. I know they're expensive, 100%, but I would rather pay for a good lawyer once than have to pay for a good lawyer later because you paid for a bad lawyer at the beginning. Totally. That's good. I love that. 
Awesome. Uh, okay, so you build this relate, you build this uh, this this partnership. Uh, you you utilize you know legal advice and accounting advice, tax advice, and uh, so now you got this partnership. And tell us a little bit about like going, you know, because it wasn't that long ago that you were just getting started, and now you're already you know at three hundred retailers and uh, you know fifteen countries. You said, sir. Yeah. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that, that journey to, to get to where you are from where you, where you were. Bro, it has been an absolute grind every single step of the way. And not to say there hasn't been like big break moments, but you're always looking for that like movie moment of like, this is the moment when it all came together and we could finally breathe and relax or whatever. And we haven't, necessarily had that i feel like we kind of had to fight tooth and nail for every single new account and a lot of it's been locally it's been you know me knocking on doors cold calling showing up leaving samples a big thing for me is i'll go leave a sample and tell our story and then follow up which sounds like the lamest uh sales pitch Right. But from my perspective is as far as retailing products go, I want them to be able to provide value to their customers. First and foremost, I want them to be able to provide to increase their own income. That's a really big thing. Uh, And if they're only buying my sales pitch, they're not going to buy again. So it's really not worth it for me anyway. So it's a really sales is all education. It's not, you know, schmoozing any of that stuff that always felt like dirty and gross to me. So it's really education, but it's been such a grind every single time of knocking on doors. And then some stuff has worked out, but we've never been able to be a brand that's just had a huge ton of hype behind us where people have just been like, look, their packaging is shiny. I need to try it. Like this is the the next cool big thing and I, I don't resent that um because we've had there's just definitely been something blue collar and sort of midwest about what we do and almost like heritage brand to us even though we're only three going on four years old that we've just grinded it out every single time and i do take a lot of pride in that that we've just been kind of fought for everything we've hand poured everything thing like literally right here like if you were to order a beard oil from us right now it's me pouring it out of this contraption right here which kind of adds to our charm i think is that there's no cheating to it and there's not been any sort of like and then we signed a huge free agent and they took us to the world series (laughs) the whole time has been just one foot in front of the other steady growth over and over and over and there's not been any astronomical growth you know the annual growth has been in the 20 percent most times i think over last year we grew 20 some percent i don't have the number off the top of my head because i'm a bad ceo but that's really what it's been it's been steady incremental growth of you know treating people right maintaining the relationships checking in with them but it's been a lot of cold calling it's been a lot of following up and in-person deliveries but that's what it is i I don't really consider myself 
a sales manager or a sales leader, more so see myself as a relationship manager, right? Like if I take care of them, let them know that their voice matters. That's typically how I get people to want to have a relationship with Samson's and want to maintain that relationship with us. And so <clears throat> when you're building this, uh, these relationships and, uh, you know, you're talking, I hear you talking about your brand, like it's, uh, you know, you're talking about the charm and, uh, you know, you're grinding it out and uh, Midwestern. And um, I think, I think that's uh, some really interesting and important points. You have this brand and you're also, but you're also doing kind of more of an analog, uh, you know, impact on, on your, on those relationships are being, are being built a little bit more analog than kind of digital. Uh, what And I feel like everybody jumps to the digital space nowadays to establish themselves. And uh, you're doing more of a grassroots kind of vibe. And um, one, I think that, you know, there's power, I think, in that, you know, look at Starbucks, that's how Starbucks started. They didn't they didn't try to blow up and become like super famous. They just started to open up stores and, uh, you know, they spread out, you know, grassroots. I think that's really interesting. So what type of role does, uh, do, just because I know that there's a lot of people listening that are thinking about the ways that they can kind of blow their sh up, you know, by, by, you know, being going, going viral. And um, it's, it's kind of like sounds a little like get rich quick, uh vibes not that the person is trying to get rich quick but um can you speak to like your experience and like what role uh digital the digital world plays in uh your brand and your your reach and your sales um yeah for sure i will say this the one thing that the biggest lessons i've learned so we've gone viral a handful of times um Big things I'll tell you. Number one, going viral without a pixel doesn't really matter, right? So you're not going to be able to retarget. If you don't know what a pixel is, basically a pixel is like a piece of code that will allow you to track whatever IP addresses hit on your page, right? So like if you have a piece of content that everybody sees, if they click on that content, the pixel will be able to track that their IP address hit on that content. You'll be able to retarget it later, right? But like... If you're like one sea of faces that one face and a sea of faces that a million people see, it doesn't matter if they don't have anything to attach to that face that they've seen, right? If you think of just like a nondescript bottle they've seen on the shelf, it doesn't matter if 10 billion people see it if they can't remember it, right? So that's what the pixel is going to allow you to do. That's a hard, hard lesson I learned, right? Like our shop sign that says Samson's, they went viral. When we got it, it, we're in a historic part of town and the guy who painted our sign went viral and he made this like perfectly smooth S and he freehanded it. And it was, um, there was a stroke song on it and this Instagram account called Pubity or Pubity. I don't actually know how it's pronounced. I'd never followed it before it happened. And then somebody texted me and they're like, Hey, this other shop has the same name as your shop this guy's painting a sign for them. And it's like, no, that's, that's my shop. But um, thank you for letting me know this. I was waiting in line to go vote at the time. And if you know how a viral success works, is you have like minutes, hours to catch on to that uh, and capitalize off of it. And so we, we took the time to do it and try to get our best 
to capture it. But if you don't have the pixel on it, it really doesn't matter from a retargeting standpoint. So you got the exposure and people saw the brand and they knew it, but it's not like you're going to get rich off of 32 million likes, right? Mm. Like yes. you've got this warehouse, but never do I go to Dan, my landlord and say like, Hey, you know, this month you want likes instead of cash. Cause like, I've got a lot of likes, extra likes you can have. Um, that's really not how it works. The one thing I will say that's actually valuable from a digital marketing perspective, and I don't think people get this, and it's definitely for rising stylists, something they really got to learn because I had to learn it. And it's not like something unique that I came up with. There was another guy who created a company in town taught me email marketing and SMS marketing. Oh my goodness. If you want people to book with you, email marketing and text message marketing are the biggest things. I mean, yeah, you can, it depends on what you want to do. Like if you want to be an educator, that's a different conversation to have. Right. But yeah. if you want to, if you want to drive a Benz and, you know, have a four or three in the suburbs and you want to have season tickets to the local pro team, like, Email marketing and text message marketing is going to keep the cheeks in your seats all day, every day. And that's one thing that I don't think stylists get out of school because when you're 19 years old, I don't think you're really checking your email all that often. Uh, yeah, I will tell you um, from my experience, uh, just like unless you're, unless you're in the world of education and an influencer, uh, coach uh you probably don't check your email that's my experience is like hairdressers and uh um and definitely rising stylists like stylists of all levels don't seem to check their email um but definitely the younger people uh i definitely think that you know finding where where you can communicate with them i like that i will say i will i what i really like more more than that is you kind of talking about conversion and uh you know just because you know you have a success on on social media doesn't convert into you know butts in seats and heads in heads in you know to work on so i'm glad you spoke to that and i'm glad i like that uh pixel uh uh, recommendations. So anybody watching this, you go ahead and do, you got something to do some research on and learn about. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. And the email and uh, text message marketing. I think that is also super powerful. Uh, so let me, I got another question um, based on, okay, so you're, you're building, building this brand and you're, you're doing real like a gorilla, gorilla marketing, uh, you know, just kind of door to door, call to call on the sales level. And um, so where are kind of, uh, where are you at now and what are we, can we expect to see from you uh, as we look into the future? We've got a lot of really cool stuff in the works. Uh, we love to collaborate. That's a really big thing that I think we can offer and not all the big brands can really do. Like we're not super interested in people calling us up like, hey, help me start launch my brand. There's, there are people that'll do that, right? Like if you want to slap your sticker on something, like there's people designed to do that. I'm not really excited about that. I'm more excited about seeing you you know ruin a couple pots and pans in your kitchen and then ask me what you're doing wrong 
that's way more exciting to me. So do all of those things before you talk to me about anything to do with starting a brand. Um, from us, though, what's happening next, this is the year that we're really planning to hit up some of the bigger trade shows. Uh, it's just we've reached that point where it's really the next level that we got to do. We're excited about that. I've never been to Vegas before. So I don't know that it'll quite be my scene, but hopefully there'll be like a cool tiki bar out there or something like that. That'll be fun to try out. Other stuff, we are hoping to make the jump to the distributor level. I think we've made enough noise independently to really solidify ourselves as a brand. It's a pretty crowded market. And I think men's brands in general kind of get disrespected as, yeah, we are really, uh, we are a women's line and we have color. Oh, and we also have this men's wet line, um, which I think is just so disrespectful because it's a lot of beard hair. Number one is going to be a different texture and the skin on your face is going to be different than the skin on the top of your head. The pH levels are going to be different and the sebum oil is going to be produced at a different rate. And all these things are just so different. It's just so disrespectful. And there's this weird cultural change that happened in the 60s and 70s that men are so content to allow that to happen. And I think over the last 10 years, people have kind of fought back on that. And yeah, I think the term metrosexual is outdated and not necessary but i do like that it has really opened up a door that like men are allowed to take care of themselves and care and not just you know wear their jorts and their nike monarchs and say i just want a two all around haircut you know i'm glad that we're moved, we've moved past that as a society so for us as a brand I think we're ready to take the next step into distributors, trade shows, and then just keep grinding. We've got a lot of stuff in the works. Big thing that came out this last year was Foster the Curl. Jake and I are both foster dads. That's like near and dear to our hearts. That comes before any uh, product we ever put out. And Foster the Curl, 3% of our revenues, not profits, because you can always do whatever kind of shady math you want to do to make your profits as small as you want. The 3% of our revenues from that product go to Foster the Family. It's an organization that provides uh, self-care goods in the first 24 hours to kids when they enter a new home. Specifically, Jake and I partnered with them so that kids with textured hair could have uh, self-care goods. That was a big issue people were running into. They were going to different ethnicities, families of different ethnicities that didn't, weren't able to care for them didn't have the know-how, anything like that. So Jake and I have partnered with former foster youth to come up with education programs to kind of help bridge that gap, but then also fund to buy those goods. Something that was I had to learn a lot when I became a foster dad. I remember the first time I looked at my daughter's braids and it was, how do I do these braids? How do I take these braids out? How do I wash it? This whole thing. And uh, so for us to come up with that product, was a real labor of love. And uh, that's something big. You know, it was just right. in Barber Evo last mm -hmm. month. And that's been huge for us.
That's awesome. I love that. And then I know exactly what you're talking about. My wife was adopted and she's uh, from Brazil and uh, she's got like super, super curly, curly, curly hair and her um, and her mother, uh, you know, she, the way that she's actually had to learn how to do her hair uh, kind of all over uh, again as an adult uh, because she, you know, she didn't really understand her her hair really because she didn't grow up with you know, her mother wasn't the same ethnicity, didn't have the same technique, texture, hair as her. Um, so I, 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 that's awesome. I, I think that's super cool that you're doing. They that. weren't having those conversations then, right? Like, no, no, it was kind of like make your hair look like other people's hair as much as we can. Like she would like try to like gel down the little tiny curls that would stick out, you know, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome. That's super. Yeah, cool. We're really, really proud of that. We worked. I wish I had some on me. That one's like constantly being produced and sold out. Um, oh, wait, I got one. Give me a second. All right. Sorry, I'm wrapped up in a sleeping bag because we're in the warehouse and I hate paying for heat. <laughs> so there it is in the same airless pump that a uh, large publicly traded brand that we will not name also uses so nice. pump with vitamin e everything else you don't have to gel your curls they don't get crunchy they don't flake later i'm super nice. proud of that product and it was all jake and i just being embarrassed that we spent all this time creating hair products that our kids couldn't use that's I love that. That's super awesome. I think uh, I, I love this story. And I, I think this is a great place to kind of wrap it up. And uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more. Um, um, maybe a little variance and topics to hear your take on some things. But uh, for now, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. Do you have any last things that you'd like to say or pieces of advice for anybody that's embarking on a uh, on a new venture? I would say the biggest things are don't work, focus on the self-discipline to do the really unsexy things. And that's what's going to make you really stand out, right? Showing up on time, showing up professional, having it together, having your station clean, your kit together, doing your email marketing, remembering your customer's name, hanging up their coat. All of those things are really what's going to make a huge difference. Whether all the other kids in cause school think you're the coolest kid there does not matter. Whether you do the best vivids in cause school does not matter. That's not what's going to make you the most employable when you get out of there. It's all those other things that are going to make a huge difference. And when you do all of those things really, really well, that's how you're going to become a platform artist. That's how you're going to become an educator. I know this because I work with them. They've gotten hired. I've recruited them. These are the things that matter. Nice. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. And I uh, look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you so much. It was a blast. It was a dream of mine. Awesome. All right. I'll talk to you soon.